ladies and Cuban. Cubans, Cuban Missile Crisis, welcome to Trends with Friends, episode, well, we got sound, so episode two, good sound, only 50-something episodes before, welcome Suffern County's own Phil Hangtooth Perlman, Phil, how's the tooth? Uh, the tooth came out, so I'm gonna, they're gonna put a new tooth in. Like I broke a tooth. It was terrible. It was terrible. By the way, was, and, I don't what, recommend it to anybody. Do you have a fun how story? How old I'm are you? Fifty-six. So what happened? You just were biting down into an egg, uh, a scrambled egg, and you cracked a tooth. Did you hear? Um, did you? Uh, 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 and you can't imagine you got to have more eggs. So, so by the way, by the way, to interrupt you, my fucking cholesterol is through the roof since I went on your diet. My my. It came back and, and my reading said syrup. It didn't even have a it didn't have a count. It just said thick. So what happened to your tooth? What happened to your tooth? Uh, you know, I don't know. There was a there was a, a it had a filling in it for many years and it just it just started to hurt like crazy. I think I bit down on something and it was split. It was it was a did it come out like did the, it come out. Yeah. So what they did was they 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 ripped out the rest of the tooth and they filled it with something and then I go back in three months and they're going to put a new tooth in. So, you know, I don't know what they're doing. It did. It was not pleasant. It was sitting in the chair was not bad. It was afterwards for like the next two days. I was, I was miserable. It just ached and they gave me some drugs. I don't like Ooh, to take drugs. I kind of like so the story. Some... It's really painful. Oh, I don't wish it on anybody. <laughs> Howard, you look like you belong in all in right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm subbing in uh, for Chamath. Hey, so uh, I'm glad you're back, Phil. Uh, Thank Jason you. And I had a, Jason and I had a pretty good show. The uh, JC was uh, getting bullish. Uh, it was a good week for JC. Uh, good week for us. We love that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, let's pick it up. Uh, Riley's in San. In uh, where are you, Riley? Sedona. S still Sedona. in Sedona. Yeah, he's doing peyote hiking and doing peyote. And so uh, welcome, uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. Take it away. Where are we at in this market? Oh, Howard. Um, isn't that the question everybody wants to answer? You know, I I wish I knew what the market was going to do. That would make... No, I didn't say what it would do. Business. Where are we at? Where are we at? Well, where we are is wondering what the market is going to do. I mean, that's where we are. I mean, that's... I. You know, I, I love to to think about different possibilities and what the coming months are going to look like. You know, Lindsay look, is looking out five years, six years, four years. I'm looking out this quarter. You know, I'm looking out the next couple of quarters, the next few months. That's sort of, you know, thinking too far past that is too hard. You know, thinking shorter than that is also really hard. Not that that intermediate term time horizon is so easy, but I think that that's where... Uh, my biggest edges and and really recognizing trends and you know I think the, the 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 big thing to remember is that it's a market of stocks not just a stock market and the list of new lows peaked in early October that was over a month ago uh, and we're seeing some of that follow through in the indexes uh, more recently the best week in a lot of things last week best week in the history of ARC by the way in the history um, you know, of art, uh, but that that could be bear market reason. But yeah, okay. Just saying, um, yeah. you know, the most bullish thing a stock can do is go up. 
and and before stocks could start to go up, Hilarious. they need to stop going down. And that happened in early October. And I think yeah. that that's the big signal. And now you're seeing that rollover. Why don't you show this the the chart, uh, Riley, where it's the dollar and the ten year? You know, I think that mm -hmm. this really tells an interesting story because the list of new lows peaked on October the third. After mm -hmm. that, interest rates kept going and making new highs, and the dollar did not. The dollar did not. Dollar was a big signal there. Uh, the list of new lows peaking, right? Uh, dollar was making lower highs. By the way, emerging market currencies have been ripping. You look at huh. the uh, Polish currencies. You look at Brazilian real, right? But what what are we seeing here? Like I I, I was going to frame this episode as we're, we we are at one of the greatest walls of worry possible here, but also mm -hmm. one of the greatest one of the greatest cliffs of despair. Which kind of is you're saying we don't know what the next three months looks like. You, are you betting on a rally here? That not you. I'm just asking. Uh, you know, is yes, there a rally here because of C? Right. But is that going to lead to a cliff of despair? Not that you care, but uh, is that going to lead to a cliff of despair, or is this wall of worry, you know, not quite full of uh, out of out of uh, bricks yet? Because it's yeah, a massive I mean, listen, wall of I, worry. You, you it's a at, massive wall of worry. Listen, you look at hedge fund positioning, they're super short. You look at CTAs, they're super short equities. You look at a lot of different sentiments. Retail super long. Incredibly pessimistic. Retail super long cash. Super long what? Cash. Oh, yeah, for time. sure. Money market funds, highest of all time. Like, yeah. or I should say of all time because it's, it's apples to oranges. But the, uh, very, very high relative cash positions. A huge cash positions at the institutional level and at the retail level. It's not just even Robinhood level. It's institutions too. Level. Yeah, Robinhood. You put that and chart Robin back up with the TNX. Sorry. Put that chart back up with the TNX. It, 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 that was from October third. Today, as we're taping on Wednesday the eighth, the yield on the ten-year has fallen below its fifty-day moving average for the first time since May. Uh, it popped above it. But really, you know, if it stays below it, it'll be the first time since March. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you, what what what's the significance there, uh, JC? With with higher interest rates and higher dollars, you're seeing weakness in equities, right? That's just what we've seen. That's that's the correlation. It didn't always used to be that way. You know, for a long time, Perlman, over the last twenty years, inflation was a good thing for stock market. When you saw break evens in the bond market, they moved with stocks, right? Um, we've seen that change, and now you're seeing a positive correlation with bonds and stocks, right? Uh, where you know, in, you know, inflation is a bad thing, right? Uh, it's it's a it's a different sort of situation, and I think it's important for investors to recognize that. So, if we have seen that stronger dollar and rates means lower equities, well, uh, you flip that on its head, and and a weaker dollar. And, and higher bond prices is good for equities, right? And that's really what we're seeing. Like I said, you know, the weakness of the euro was really masking the overall weakness of the dollar. Because remember, the dollar index is 60% euro. So all these emerging market currencies like the Polish Zloty and Brazilian Real and Mexican Peso that have been doing so well, none of those are in the dollar index. So we had already seen the weakness underneath the surface in the dollar. And now we're seeing that follow through and rates to the downside with bonds ripping and stocks are going with it. And I, 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 there's so many interesting stocks that have held in so well. Look at Broadcom, look at NVIDIA. Um, these things are holding in 
spectacularly well. Uber's making new 52-week highs. We bought it mm -hmm. today. Yeah, I bought some Uber. I, I mean, I've been long Uber, flipped out of it when it was trending down, held a little, and now I'm back in. Axon, I mean, there's some breakouts. Anet, Axon, we talked about last week, but Axon, if we pull it up, JC, here's a company that the macro's helping, right? Like You got it, Riley? Yeah, so here's a company where the macro's helping. They have a private cloud. Obviously, all the film from cops and military now as they go around uh, and tasers, right? America's gun gun happy right now, especially Jewish people, right? Exploding gun uh, demand in the U.S. post October 7th. And taser has a product for those people, including myself, that don't want to carry a gun um, just to zap people. So um, they've got it all going on. And it's, you know, it's a great local. We've talked about it for forever here, but it's really today breaking out to all time highs. Um, you know, as someone who. Well, we'll see if know, it holds. Well, we'll see if it holds. We'll see right. if it holds. But so you got that. You have some of the stocks that looked the worst starting to bottom, maybe like Square. Remember last week we were talking about the fintech companies and how crypto was rallying and that may be the end of, of, of fintech. So they found a bottom since we last. Uh, chatted so so yeah. there's stuff that's starting to not make new lows doesn't mean they're going to start. I got rallying. one more for you guys. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the so new there's so much there's so much information coming at us so much news so much noise our attention span is so small and so we 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 process something and then we move on to the next thing we don't even pay attention to it. But last week, Apple reports. The news comes out. I don't even know what the news is, but the first reaction was down, down. The, it was off like six bucks. Everybody's like, oh, the market's going to crash. Every, you know, people are going crazy. The next morning. So this is this falls into the it's not the news. It's how the market responds to the news category. So the next morning, Apple's off like three, four bucks, not six bucks. But the market is rocking. The Nasdaq, the NDX does not care that Apple, the largest company in the universe, maybe most important company in the universe, does not care that that stock is off and that they disappointed. Market rockets higher. Now we're four or five days later and Apple is making new near-term highs. Totally blew off that uh, sell-off um, and is higher, higher than it was before it reported. Um, I, you know, that is the type of thing where you don't want to just ignore that or forget about it so quickly because it's really like, how is this market, you know, not what the news is, but how is this market responding to news? And there's the chart. Like, and I think, uh, JC, that's a great chart because Microsoft, it looked for a while that maybe Google, maybe OpenAI had some competition and they do. But ChatGPT update just came out where they released an API and everybody can build their ChatGPT. And you can see, I had this tweet out from Matt Turk, we'll share after maybe, Riley, if you haven't pulled up. But like Microsoft has gotten themselves uh, integrated. I call them the middle, I was joking with the stream, I call them the Middle East of software right now in AI because friend of my friend is my, or enemy of my enemy is my enemy is my enemy. Microsoft's got their hands in their own direct AI, their investors in ChatGPT. They own GitHub. So if you wanted to own just AI, the purest play right now in, in tech would be NVIDIA and now Microsoft. And that's why Microsoft's hitting all-time highs. Now, Apple, if you pull that chart back up, um, 
Yeah, Chuck, Matt Turk, who's a great follow on on Twitter, he he's following the AI space and he pulled that. But that Matt, um, if you pull that back up, guys, what's super interesting about Apple? They have the M3 chip, and I shared a link earlier with with uh, Om Malik, and so their play is going to be through chips and partnerships and their and their smartphone. So. You know, unless there's some other form factor other than voice and, and mobile, uh, Apple still benefits from AI with the M3 chip. So, you know, everybody's looking in the past, but let's be honest, now that AI has been around for a year, um, and I don't know if your kids, your kids aren't using it, JC, but I bet you yours are, Phil, and my son uses it and Riley uses it. ChatGPT is bananas. It really is bananas to what you can do uh, with uh, work tasks and automated tasks. So um, while everybody's looking back at what Apple was or what their numbers are, AI is gonna increase a tremendous amount of productivity for these huge companies and allow them to raise their prices and allow them to further get monthly revenue versus you know ad sales as they sell small tools. So, you know, Microsoft, Apple, you know, and Meta, um, it's hard for me to see them giving up much ground relative to the markets, but you know, so, so it is. Are you still surprised we haven't heard anything from Apple regarding AI? I mean, well, the M3 chip. we talked about them being late, but. But they're not late is what I'm saying. So, so if you read Ohm's piece and we can share it in the footnotes, I shared it today, the M3 chip, what everybody's been chasing to get their M1 chip, like Qualcomm, et cetera. Uh, Ohm is a great thinker on this stuff that their M3 chip is their AI answer because it powers all the apps that make AI better and who controls the infrastructure is who controls the phone is Apple. So, so it's really hard to see Android suffering, Apple suffering just because they have the point of entry in voice and in phone, unless there's a new form factor. Um, but really the big cap tech, including NVIDIA, like JC was saying earlier, just, it's hard for, you know, even as the world shrinks and as, as borders uh, close, and as uh, the economy kind of bumps along, um, it's hard for me, you know, to be bearish on, on, on the FANG stocks. I mean, we've got a massive wall of worry out there. And like Phil said, they're not coming down. All right, what else do you got, JC? I think on that tr mega cap trend, look at the NASDAQ 100 relative to the Russell 3000. And this is a trend that bothers a lot of people. And this getting back to sentiment, Pearl Dog, you know, one of my favorite uh, trades is is looking for areas where investors are are just sort of uh, you know looking in the looking looking at things wrongly. They get yeah, you know um, where their 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 emotions are getting the best of them. Like Tesla is a great example. Like how many people just hate Tesla or hated Tesla? I'm talking about years ago, even though it's still the case today. But you know, years ago, just so much anger towards a company. There's an underlying catalyst there that I, I, I could really get behind because there's an underlying tailwind of unwinding that anger, you know, um, and I think that in a similar fashion, you know, uh, the big getting bigger uh, rubs people the wrong way uh, and, and, and rather than embracing the fact that this is the case and, and taking advantage of those trends, people try to fight them. For the wrong reasons and i find that really fascinating um, yeah we're losing that creates opportunity. I'll, I'll chime in here if you can hear me riley i think 
And I sent you our United Healthcare chair. What I think what JC is saying too is that I think for decades, and Phil can go to recency bias and behavioral bias, for decades it was like, oh, what led the last bull market never leads the new bull market. How many times have we heard that from, from the Nifty 50 to Japan to, um, there's so many examples, oil to commodity cycles. And here we are, one of the yeah, longest- and, and also technology, Howard, if you go back to 1930 and you take every bull market since 1930, there have been 23 bull markets. In 21 of those, technology outperformed. And so I think we by have- By far and away, technology has the highest hit rate in terms of leadership in and bull markets. Right. So pull that chart back up, right? And let's just philosophically talk about this because you have the behavioral stuff that Phil will chime in on this, looking at this chart. Because I think it's the most important chart in the world as America continues to lead. And right. look at if the zoomed out one too also, right? Yeah. If we're wrong, right, you can hedge yourself with a little AI. But for decades now, people have been saying 60-40 portfolio, 60-40 portfolio, 60-40 portfolio. And I've always, you know, Phil's been VNQ, like, uh, you know, low cost indexing. And JC is, you know, top down uh, cross market analysis. And no matter which way you sliced it up, we were right. QQQ over SPY. I never was a 60 40 guy. And in the last seven years, that 40%, now that bonds have crashed and are in their longest bear market, have, have created a 5% portfolio. So for the last seven years, if you were a 60 40 portfolio, you've averaged 7% a year versus the Qs, which is like 30% a year. So if you want to own equities, you should own equities period, full stop, okay? And if you're going to own equities, indexing is fantastic, especially QQQ over SPY because of what JC has said. Since the 1930s, the Qs have let, or the, or the technology has let. What this new phenomena, if we zoom back in, is that, oh my God, the Nifty 50 might be a, a, a thing that keeps you hating the market here because you can't believe that, uh, uh, Amazon, Google, Netflix, uh, uh, Facebook, um, and Microsoft continue to lead, but we've never had a, a point in history where you had this much cash and cash flow and, and lockdown and regulation that favors the incumbents. And so look at, this look trend at QQQ versus TLT. Scroll down there, Riley. All right, pull that down. This, one, this, one, this, this is, this is a fantastic chart. This one. Lindsay, I love yeah, this one. I mean, come on. Yeah, I had my little TLT year, right, where I was like the bond king, and now I'm out. Like, I, I, I got to be long, and we'll get. You were into more less. like the the bond gesture. Yeah, I was the bond gesture, saying, "Hey, man, I just didn't understand the market." The bond but, fool. But but if as as the QQQ breaks out over the, the small caps, I'm not saying small caps can't do well either, but. Um, no one wants to be long tech in a world that's got two wars on, in a world where there's slow growth, in a world where... Um, well, obviously, people do want to be long tech because it's making new all-time highs relative to the rest of the I market. I do. Yeah, I do. But you can see that a lot of people, based on their Robinhood accounts and in the bond accounts, people are flushing into cash at the exact same time. So it's a perfect scenario for a rally, if not new bull market. Um Everything that's bad is in the open. Let's be honest, October 7th was a fuck. To hear that before Israel dropped a bomb in retaliation, people had already sided with Hamas. So you have this behavioral stuff, Phil, that we could chime in, that um, we couldn't have a crazier divided world 
than right now, which you know feels like a risk off scenario. And yet, the so I do have a action... comment about that. I do have a comment about the behavioral. And here's mm-hmm. the thing about behavioral. Behavioral is actually a terrible term to describe anything. It's actually should be, and this goes back to what JC said at the very beginning of his comments here. It should be behavioral, emotional, cognitive, because all of those three things, those three things are like a triangle, our behavior, our emotions, and our thinking, our cognition. And the thing about emotion is that sometimes emotions are first. You know, E. e. Cummings, a poet, once said, uh, since feeling since feeling is first, who pays any attention to the syntax of things? And basically what he was saying was, we feel first, right? We have the feeling first, and then everything else comes from that. And in this day and age where we are so cerebral, where we, where, where we think first, where we like to overthink everything, right? We're so intellectualized and in our head. We ignore, we're, half the reason we're doing that is to ignore our feelings. We are yeah. angry. We are scared. We are worried. We don't want to think about any of those things. We don't want to feel any of those feelings. So we just think instead. And so what is happening here, exactly as JC is saying about the anger, or about the, 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 the reason good first reading reality, is because our feelings about all of this stuff is so negative that we ignore that. We, 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 we cordon it off and put it over here. We compartmentalize it over here. And then we just get into facts and figures and data and BS. And so I would say that that emotional world is fundamental. People hating, they don't wanna, hey, the big caps are leading, the big caps are continuing to lead. They are going to continue to lead. Look at this chart. It's just simple reality. It's just price and you know ratios. Mm-hmm. People don't wanna believe that. And that is actually our friend. That denial of reality, that denial of how we're It really feeling. is our friend. It's a it's tailwind friend. right now. Yeah. So is the wall of worry. So, so JC, any other great charts there? And, and Phil, I want to talk about college and, and what our kids are going through and how you're seeing that play out. And just what the hell your take on this is as someone who's a psychiatrist yeah, I wanna, and lives with I one. I want to talk about the, um, the, the underneath the surface of all this anger um, mm-hmm. is tremendous returns historic yeah. returns at certain points mm-hmm. this year you yeah. want to show the performance of the s p 500 sectors since the yeah. s p 500 bottomed technology is up 51 percent yeah communication is up 43 percent industrial is up 21 percent discretionary is up 18 percent yeah and then look yeah. at the look at the value line geometric index below that mm-hmm. and this represents the median stock and i think this this to your point um uh, Howard and a lot of you guys know that there are winners and losers mm-hmm. and historically almost 70% of stocks underperform the S&P mm-hmm. 500 right think think about that right um so this is the median stock this is the value line geometric index the median stock coming into this month is actually down since the highs in 1998 down so the median stock is losing literally over the last 25 years during that period the S&P 500 is up almost 300%. The Dow's up almost 300%. The NASDAQ 100 is up 1,000%. This is a great chart. Yeah. With and, the median stock flat. And the median stock's flat as the QQQs break out. Meaning... The, the NASDAQ's this, up 1,000% during this period. Yeah. which So the haves, the haves will continue to take. And in the world that... 
the world that everybody thinks is we're going to have a revolution because the rich, there'll be a civil war. But maybe these companies are, everybody is allowed to own them through VNQ or frack.com or direct indexing. Don't be a hater, you know, just follow the money. And, you know, remember Amazon's, Amazon's web services, AWS is revenue is larger than I think 90% of the S&P company's revenue. So it kind of explains Joss's, I mean, sorry, JC's chart, Josh. It explains JC's chart there is like, while you're looking for the next big thing, Amazon, Microsoft, Google might be the next big thing. And Perlman, um, I want, this is important. This is an important point, Perlman. I want to ask you about this because Morgan Housel's new book is really about things that stay the same. And this goes back to a Warren Buffettism that, you know, while everybody's looking for what's going to change, everyone's looking for the next thing. Warren Buffett sits there all day investing in the things that he believes are not going to change. And it's mm -hmm. a much easier bet to bet on the things that you think are going to remain the same versus trying to make a bet that this is going to be a new thing and humans are going to behave differently betting on humans behaving the way that they're going to behaving in the same way again and again. And that's what Morgan Housel's new book is about. And I look forward to reading it. This is total Buffettism. Uh, and I love that concept. Love it. No thoughts. Yeah, I love it too. And I, uh, I actually was, uh, I saw him uh, speak earlier in the year and was talking to him about it and it holds for everything. It holds for the yeah. topics that he covers um, and he gets into markets and it also holds for health and well-being that just, you know, take care of yourself, focus on yourself, eat real foods, move your body, rest your body, listen to your body. Um, it's that that's really my take on it. That's some, that's that's a place where he doesn't go as much. Uh, I was just in fact, earlier today, I was just looking at a table of contents. I just ordered the book. He doesn't talk about that as much, but it's the same with health and well-being. But it's the same with markets too. People get so negative. People get, you know, people are freaking out. People, it happens from time to time. In fact, it happens all the time. This current environment that's happening right now, we think, oh my God, it's so bad. Everything's happening so bad and things are changing so fast and there's war all over the place and we're going to have World War III and it's catastrophic. No, it's just the world as usual. And mm -hmm. it's just that the world is crazy. We didn't start the fire, as Billy Joel sang, you know? He's talking about mm -hmm. events that happened 50, 75, 80, 100 years ago. Yeah, I'm with so you. I think, it's, I think it's just a, it's a universal truth. It's a universal truth. I called it 8 to 80. Um, you have to be true to yourself, right? Like JC has a routine. Phil has a routine. He, he I think one of the most important charts that I could share that shows the differences between strategies, uh, Riley, would be the drawdown of the S&P 71% of the time. I think I shared it earlier in the feed. And this is how different my thinking's gotten as I've gotten older. Not that it's wrong. There's no wrong strategy. It's just behaviorally, what are you comfortable with? So before I would love strong markets, until you know, I started doing startups and I had time to follow the markets. I love momentum and I love stocks at all time highs. Um, yeah, so so um, the great Charlie Bellello, my pal, uh, is also like, um, he, he's great at sharing some visuals and he shared a, a chart earlier that showed that uh, we're in the longest drawdown since the longest drawdown for the S&P's 
since uh, the great financial crisis. And 71% um, of the time, historically, the market is in a drawdown. So in the old Howard way of managing money, where I was just stocks over indexes, um, I hated markets like this because I was in the cash position and I was waiting for markets to hit all-time highs. And we're starting to see that with QQQ, but I would have to ease into the market. So I'm under-invested in the old strategy. In my new life, when I feel like being long right now, I can just index and I prefer being in a drawdown because I have market exposure, meaning I'm not picking, I'm just in the market. So it's a complete flip on how you think. If you look at this chart, you want to be below that line and, and trending down and adding money to the market. If you are a momentum investor, like I used to be, you are out of the market right now and you're waiting for that to get much closer to the top of the line because you're going to see many more stocks working in your favor in a more target-rich environment. So really, this is an important chart for people to, to understand and how they feel in the market. Phil and I love to, we would love to see, you know, unless we were 80, we would love to see the market in a 30% drawdown, right? Whereas in my old world, I'd be in 100% cash at that point because I'm not. So you have to find that blend. I think for 20 years, people went 60-40 portfolios because their advisor told them that was the way to do it. And then everybody piled into that portfolio. And by the time everybody believed in that because portfolio. Because here's why. Because here's why. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why, why it's not. Do you agree or disagree or, 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 or? No, I'm agreeing, or? I'm, agreeing wholehearted, I'm agreeing wholeheartedly with you. I'm explaining to you why I believe. Uh, that things have changed because during that period where there was a 60-40 portfolio, bonds were negatively correlated to stocks, right? Mm -hmm. So it was a form of diversification because deflation was the market's concern, mm -hmm. not inflation. So anything inflationary was actually a good thing for the stock market. That's why break-evens were always a great leading indicator for the stock market during that period. But now that's no longer the case. The market's not worried about deflation. The market's worried about inflation. So those mm -hmm. correlations now flip, and it's the stocks and bonds, rather than having that negative correlation that we've seen for 30-something years, Got it. now it's back to positive, which we saw in the which... 60s and 70s when the inflation was the concern. Good so point. that 60-40 portfolio not only is not giving you that diversification, it's actually giving you more concentrated risk. It's, it's actually achieving the exact opposite. And it's fucking with your head because you're not, like, again, you and I are just piecing all this together. It's not like we had some, we get together during the week. We send a bunch of charts around and decide what we're doing. This also ties into what Phil's saying. You can imagine the, the, the bias you have after your advisor forever just end up working the 60-40 portfolio. You didn't have a bad 08. You didn't have a bad 2020. You know what I mean? You, you, it did what it was supposed to do. So now it, it's finally not working and you're like doubling down and tripling down saying, but there's a new paradigm possibly, which is inflation and deglobalization, which adds to inflation and rates aren't that high. The rates are high if you've got 22% capital one uh, debt, but you are upside down now and there's such a miss out. So for a while there, JC, sorry, Phil, for a while there, JC, I was freaked out because I'm like, Bonds are interesting, right? But I think what may happen here is that bonds just don't do anything because 5% interest rates are not horrible. You can't raise them and they can't ease 
because of the debt problem. So, so stock picking, and, and in a way, QQQ is a form of stock picking because it's just 100 stocks. And within that is probably 30 that are driving the end. So you really are stock picking at some level versus the VNQ and the SPY. But you have all this behavioral bias from 30 years of this working, Phil. I mean, it's a dangerous Five years ago, eight years ago, inflation was dead. And it was just like, hey, inflation's dead forever. And, you know, we wrung, uh, we wrung inflation out of the market because technology is so great. That was the conventional wisdom. Hey, Riley, can you put that TK or Sam Rose chart up? I just, I think I told you about it earlier, but I hit you in the, uh, in the chat. The great Sam Rowe, uh, TK or Substack, posted a chart uh, the other day of the long-term uh, returns of stock prices in large companies. And, you know, if you are, uh, you know, 50 or younger, maybe even older, but certainly if you're 50 and younger and you don't need the money that you're investing for a considerable period of time, if you're, if you're 30 or younger or, you know, 40 or younger, this is the biggest no-brainer in the history of the world. You just put your money in low-cost, broad-market ETFs, and then you have incredible patience. You go read essays by Charlie Munger and, and, and Warren Buffett about being patient. Uh, I'm sure it's in Housel's book as well, that patience pays. And you just sit back and you just wait. And if you look at this chart here, you know, basically, you know, 1929 is that blip right in the middle of the chart. Uh, you know, the NASDAQ bubble popping is that other blip over here. The, 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 the 2008 blip is barely noticeable. The blip of 2022 is, is right at the end there. You could see half of the rebound already, barely mm -hmm. noticeable. You're just going to have to have patience and ignore the drawdowns or like Howie's saying, you know, wait for the market to get killed and then buy some more of the ETFs and just be patient again. Yeah. And, and there's this other thing, guys, and I'll, I'll say it out loud um, because I'm learning as I go as, a, as a, someone who's still and we have to talk about startups because I think you'll be fascinated by what I'm that some of the data that we're pulling together as it ties to public markets and tech, JC, because I'm going to start showing some deals to this group here that I'm so excited about. And, you know, I haven't been excited in a couple of years, but what what's so interesting, guys, is that I think the new 64, I believe the news, and again, I'm, I'm talking my book, so I'm, I'm wrong all the time, but I believe the new 6040 portfolio is some form of ETF. I prefer direct indexing and stock picking, meaning if you're going to be long, be long equities. And I think tax efficiently be long, you know, uh, some form of direct index like I, like we invested in in freck.com. And then when the markets are good and we're back in a positive thing, you know, there's enough smart people to follow and learn enough skills to maybe take that extra leverage 10 or 20 percent when the markets are good and be 100 to 130 percent long instead of 60 to 80 percent long. And because right now you can earn 5 percent in your cash account. You don't have to get fancy with bonds. Right. And so I think there's just this massive misallocation of capital. Now let's factor in, guys, the mentality of 2016 to 21 in the startup world. JC, was a, we all got caught up in it. It's impossible to time this stuff. We got fascinated with being in the next Uber. And from 2016, when SoftBank started till about three, four months ago, I believe, uh, give or take some certain sectors, we have been in a massive bubble 
in readjustment and bear market for startups. Um, Riley, why don't you pull up the chart of how many startups are out there that are sputtering between the series raises uh, that you recently pulled? It's in the it's in the DM phase. There are tens of thousands of startups that are not going to raise their next round of funding. Um, and people, I, there's a reason to be bearish about that because you've got to shut those down and you have to deal with that. But guess what? Those, those 500,000, 2 million employees, they got smarter, right? They got beat over the head, um, you know, but they got some form of college degree, which is why startups are an important part of American psychology, any dem democracy like uh, in Western Europe and in Israel and in the United States. The act of doing a startup, as embarrassing as it can be if you do it at the wrong time and, and make mistakes, is that you learn probably much more than you learned in school and much more than you can learn in life in a world of chat GPT. So the act of doing a startup was in a bubble territory. I, I would, at the same time that the market may be bottoming and, and we're ready to climb a wall of worry and interest rates get factored in, these zombie companies are, are we could be at peak zombie, right? Which is just this... These companies, uh, and I don't want to name names, but we're seeing it every day in the public markets too, whether it's fintech or whether it's um, uh, enterprise software or whether it's crypto. You know, we can make fun of these companies and all the misallocation of capital, but the long-term benefit of that misallocation capital is that we didn't die, right? Certain money got moved around, but guess what? The people that were involved in that misallocation of capital, much like the internet bubble, got smarter. And they, if they didn't go broke, they now become a much better productivity for the future, combined with new technologies. So, so I'm, I have never been, probably in the last seven, eight years, more bullish, forgetting the macro for a minute, forgetting war and all the reasons we should be nervous and anti-Semitism, because I am really pissed off and angry. If you get below those first level thinking of who you're mad at and what could go wrong, this is probably going to be the best two or three years of gut-wrenching, but yet opportunistic seed investing uh, that we've had since like 08 to 2013. And so it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but as people leave the business in droves and get worn out from running a startup that may never exit, the best new startups are going to be formed. Now, the next question, guys, is what did those startups look like? Not everybody should have a unicorn like we're back there. So we have to get rid of that unicorn thinking and say, what is a good business? And so so we'll dig into that over the next few weeks. But guys, I am seeing ideas and founders where, real, where expectations now meet the world that we live in, because that was the, the disconnect. You could be a great founder and still screw up your deal because of the pricing. But now because of the world that we live in, pricing is being forced to come down to reality and now people are doing it for the right reasons and the right expectations. And when incentives and expectations get aligned, great returns happen. So, so while the QQQ is breaking out over uh, the small caps, I also believe that startups, this is a great time, even though the, the, if you looked at technically why it, would, it is the worst time to do a startup from a technical pricing perspective, if you ever had a chart of what that be like the ARC or unprofitable tech company. It's probably the worst time to ever invest in unprofitable tech. But if you if pricing gets reset properly, it's going to be one of the best times. And so I would pull up the chart of Udemy as one example, UDMY. And so let's all just track this for the next few years. 
Uh, and Square may be one of those too, if Jack was a better CEO, I would agree, where companies that weren't profitable, but could get profitable and had a tremendous leverage in their operating system and have been left for dead could be the next great winners, right? Because, you, you know, I and Udemy is one of those. So if we look at what a billion dollar company looks like, this company is doing about 400 million, uh, um, almost 500 million uh, a year in revenue now and just turned its first big profit, right? And this is one of those learning companies, uh, JC. Uh, online What's the ticker symbol? You? U-D-M-Y. Okay. The founder's on Twitter talking all the time, or one of the co-founders. But this company is only at a $1.78 billion valuation. It trades at three times sales. I'm not saying it's cheap or expensive, but it was being traded at one time sales because it couldn't prove that it could get profit, even with $500 million in revenues. And so those companies that flip a switch and, and you've left for dead that really show that they can make money, they could be massive movers if they can do two or three quarters and prove that they have true leverage with this profit. And so what do you see here? A company that could trade at eight to 10 times sales if it can prove that its operating leverage is good. So you could get a triple out of this without even entering anybody's radar. What else is interesting about this as, as universities implode on themselves, higher learning, this is a product where kids can go learn their courses. So there are going to be, again, like if I wasn't a startup investor right now, and I don't like picking stocks right now because I don't have the time, but this is one that I added to my portfolio just to keep an eye on what prof, what unprofitable becoming profitable tech looks like. Because I think Square 2, if, if I like management, I'd be very interested because they can make a profit. But Udemy is a very pure play on learning and has tremendous operating leverage and is trading probably at a discount. So there's probably a filter that we could do for 10 or 20 of these and track them. But there's all kinds of reasons to be bullish. And one of them goes back to JC, what you were saying at the beginning, all time uh, new lows started bottoming about a month ago. And we'll see if new lows take out the October low again, you know, all bets probably are off. But I think well, they, there's some- They didn't start to bottom in October. They bought the, the, the amount of new lows peaked in October, October the 3rd. And, you know, I, I mean, listen, if this dollar, I'm telling you right now, if this dollar rolls over, the ripper you're going to see in these equities, you ain't seen nothing yet. Pearl Dog, this was the amuse-booze before the salad comes in, before you get that ribeye. This is just, you know, just to wet the beak a little, you know what I'm saying? That's so why do you think the dollar, was. why do you think the dollar rolling over makes it here, JC? Because the dollar's the only safe haven for so long. You had U.S. Treasury bonds as a safe haven. You had yen over the years, gold sometimes. You don't have any of that. The only safe haven is the United States dollar. So if the if the money is leaving the dollar, where the hell do you think it's going? It's going into where's it going to go? Western Europe? About. Like it's going into Western Europe? They're fucking rat. They they haven't worked in six years in Western Europe, and you're seeing it right now. After the it's a joke. Any company that's Western close Europe, to Western I don't think Western Europe, Europe has. I don't think Western Europe and their their working status has anything to do with this. As it saying, does, there's no growth. It's, it has there's nothing no to do growth. with growth. Is the dollar's the only safe haven in town? That's it. Oh yeah, it used I agree. to be tre Treasury bonds used to serve that purpose for a long, long time. It no longer does that. Especially when you can earn five percent on your U.S. dollars in your Robinhood account or any account. So. We are aligned there. According to um, the earnings, nobody nobody uses Robinhood anymore. You see that stock is getting oh, crushed. Dude. 
let's yeah, pull dive it dive into their you know what because i have to full disclosure because on stock twits about a month ago i took a i i gave up uh, i could show you the post i sold my stock in the high nines whatever i had left and i know we talked about it this summer and i said keep an eye on it but i, I on stock twits i fully disclosed that i sold my last uh position and today i wrote a missive about what they're getting wrong and continue to get wrong which uh, is what dude come on i'll tell you what they're getting wrong pull up the chart and i'll tell you what they're getting wrong okay oh, well. because i've known this for a while but hoped hoped i was hoped i wasn't right okay first of it all like a, it looks like a chart of uh broadcom upside down yeah so management has focused on the wrong things right they I am one of the original investors of the company. I have $20,000 in my Robinhood account. So I've said this a, a few weeks ago. There's something wrong with a product that I love in a company that I was involved early on, much like the revolt in Facebook by the early you know, uh, people involved. Um, you know, Where there's smoke, there's fire. The fact that I have 20,000 in my account and, and millions in Freck or new products, um, proves that Robinhood focused on the wrong things. Where's Robinhood's revenue coming from? If you look through their quarterly numbers, options. Is options a great place to teach young investors the benefits of building wallet share and building wealth? No. Is it a good place in a ZERP environment to juice user numbers? Yes. So while Robinhood had all the luxury of a high market cap user growth, instead of diversifying and buying companies that would prepare them for this new market, which is not about uh, uh, free trading and not about options trading, but about building your wallet, teaching people how to, like shows like this, talking to your elders at a time when markets change, rethinking how you think about investing in a bear market. So none of their users have the tools or are prepared for this new market coming. And Robinhood's business is reliant on options trading, which goes against everything that you would want from a new customer because options has the highest churn and the lowest wallet sizes of anything. Now, options is a great feature and Robinhood needs to have it, but they have been ill-prepared and they have not launched great products. Then I heard in their call that they want to go into the UK. I just talked about Western Europe. If your growth market is the UK or anywhere in the Western Europe in this world, who is running that company? So I don't know. Other than a buyout, and I don't know why you would own, they don't want to sell the company. Other than a buyout, I, this is really it is really a disappointing. And if we look at Uber, doing the exact opposite. So let's look at Uber, because JC, you just said you- That hood chart it. looks like a uh, one of those fake meat- one there. Fake Phil, it could be. Yeah, Robin Hood, it looks like a fake meat company. Phil, can you believe that? Phil, as someone who- Are they selling fake meat over there? Is that what's going on with the Robin Hood? I want meat-based vegetables. Delivered to me by Uber. See, now that's what I'm talking about. That's really like a, you know, like a loin. Instead of the but carob, do we just yeah? That's like medallions, this, you know, think, medallions of beef. Like instead of broccoli, I'm all for that. Yeah, I just think I think you know, other than Axon, this Uber chart is one of the most interesting. That tells such a story. This lift, great to pull up lift against it. Talk, talk us through what you're seeing here, JC, because this is fascinating. I'm long Uber. One of them's going up and it's worth a hundred billion, and the other one's going down and it's worth four. Uh, yeah. So that's one. Number two. 
you know, my fundamental analysis, I've never ridden on a, on a lift. I like, you know, the, how they, it's like a mustache ride. Like, that's kind of funny to me, yeah. but like, no, that isn't. wasn't enough to get me over the top. Um, you know, Uber making new buddy two week highs and volatility has come down dramatically because all these drama queens uh, with the VIX at 23, VIX in, in, in less than two weeks went from 23 to 14. So volatility is mm -hmm. super cheap. So what we do when we are bullish in an environment where volatility is low, we want to take advantage of that and buy call options as far out as you possibly can. I liked uh, what we all like together as a team uh, was the 60 calls, uh, the March 60 calls for a buck 55. Uh, that's next to nothing. Uh, gives you, you know, you want to, you want to, you want a nice lottery ticket. Uh, here's a, a pretty decent one. You're a limited partner. You can't lose more than you invest. In this case, a dollar fifty-five. That's the most you could lose. You How know, do you decide when to get out, buddy? How do you decide? So it runs to fifty-five. Do you sell nope. half? Nope. So as soon as the premium doubles, as soon as we can, at when it gets to three dollars and ten cents, we will sell half at that point. Right, we're buying it at one fifty-five. At three ten, mm -hmm. we sell half and we let the rest ride. And then as soon Got as it. we start getting about forty-five days out. When that DK really starts to kick in, uh, then we'll start raising stops and things like that. That's that's generally how we do it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, but always I sell half on the double. Yeah, I don't see a better position company against competition, against um, its great management. It's proven that its great management has destroyed Lyft um, and diversified through all of transportation and logistics. Um, and it, a total revolutionary a company. We forget that. Right. We forget that these guys I revolutionized. Forget. I don't forget. The, you know, well, now it's just so ubiquitous. It's, it's on everybody's phone. We don't think about it. But, you know, you go back even just 10 years, 10, 15 mm -hmm. years. I mean, this, this company completely revolutionized how people, uh, how people move. Yeah. How people and get from one web place two has turned out to be not as you know this is what makes me also bullish about the next phase is because we've gotten rid of that zerp uh easy market on top of iphones all the posers that like including myself right like i was a venture capital during the last boom lucky me but i never really believed that i was that smart i was always golly gee like i can't believe like robin hood seemed obvious to me now we're seeing how hard it is to build a business because you pulled up robin hood versus uber um there was no easier business than Robinhood for the first eight years, right? You just had one app and people showed up and blew their brains out and really had the opportunity to learn how to invest. And now you see Uber, what it takes to build a great company 15 years later, and you see how much harder it is to build a great company um, and how many wars you have to go through. Can we can we just back up? Can we just can we rewind for one second? Because we're talking about these new companies and all this great stuff. I have an old one uh, that I think is really interesting. Can you scroll down there, Riley, to the other one? And you know, this was not on a lot of people's radar. This is a fifty billion dollar computer hardware company, uh, near and dear to to old men like yourselves' hearts, uh, Pearl Dog and uh, Lean Zone. Uh, Dell making what new all-time highs. Bought some today. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I haven't I seen a Dell. You to tell me. I have no idea. Dude, I remember. I remember getting a Dell that had Windows ME on it. I think people are buying like, their I monitors. You couldn't even get I think it. Their work. monitors Listen, are getting bought. Doing, Obviously, I don't it's, know. It's, I think Fortune 500.
50 no, I think Fortune. I think I think sir. I think I think corporate America that uses Microsoft uh, runs Dell computers, right? Like I think they're the last standing, you know, reseller for that market. I don't know, but I don't. good on them. Like amazing. I mean, amazing. So so underneath the weeds, amazing. if you so where's the best place right now to track? Uh, you know, uh, Riley, we built the price and popularity that matches, um, you know, strong relative strengths with uh, low followers. Um, so there is some stuff showing up, like Dell was another one, but Uber, Axon. So it's not just, you know, the magnificent 20 tech stocks. There's there's some winners perking up underneath that are on their way. Um, another thing I would say, guys, and Chase, uh, before we leave, is use this time to find, you know, October 7th, another, use this time in a bear market and a new bull market to really find some new, mix up your stream a little bit, like clean up, like prune some of these crazy people that you were following that are living an old playbook and, and, and are, are stuck in the old. And this is a great time, just like cleaning your portfolio to just, you know, social is going to change post October 7th. Uh, it's already changing because ownership is swapped over in these things and TikTok may be banned. You know, Josh Hawley put out a ban today on TikTok as a, as a bill. Uh, I don't know how this all plays out, but, but there is going to be change and it's up to, you know, uh, people to filter better. So Phil, what do you got to say about that? <laughs> I'm just looking at Dell.com. They're doing the exact yep. same thing they were doing 25 years ago. They're doing zero different. It's like, hey, buy a computer. Hey, buy a laptop, buy a workstation, buy a, buy a, a screen buy a laptop it's it's the exact same it's a little bit nicer it's a little bit more streamlined it loads a little bit faster you know but it's basically the exact same it's basically the exact same with you know i'm sure they're selling to a lot of businesses i'm sure it's really b2b but it's basically the exact same the well what happened is everybody came into their business and left and they're the only ones left they just and they just ran a good business so you know yeah i could sneak and run for that yeah they survived they survived it's unbelievable. So here's what's on my radar. Just really quickly, what's on my radar is this, is that we are entering a, a, a period of the year where it's getting colder, where the days are shorter, and where we have a tendency to gain weight. We have a tendency to not get, not move our bodies as much. We have a tendency to eat more Funyuns. And so now is the time where we can kick seasonality's ass. So, you know, I was talking to I was talking to Jeff Hurst this morning and he was saying to me, you know, he was saying to me that, you know, the, the seasonality really matters the most when the market does not adhere to the seasonal. So if the market was going down the last eight days, the most bullish 10 days of the year, if the market went down. We just had this incredible rally. That's what the market's supposed to do. If the market was going down during that pyramid period, that would really, really be meaningful. So here's what I say is I say you get. You say, okay, the next 100 days, this is my theory of 100 days. The next 100 days are going to be cold. They're going to be, the days are going to be shorter. We're going to be gaining weight. During those, you could do anything for 100 days, right? You could stand on your head for 100 days. So for 100 days is all you have to do is think about for 100 days from today is I'm going to do everything differently. Instead of me gaining weight, seasonality of weight gain, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to either stay the same in plateau or I'm going to lose weight. And I'm going to do that very simply by waking up a little bit earlier because daylight savings ended. So you actually get some mm -hmm. of that sun back earlier in the morning. 
getting up earlier and moving your body, getting outside, dressing appropriately, looking for nice days, becoming sort of a weather guy, one of those weather guys who gets a weather app and checks the weather when it is nice outside, get outside, joining a gym. I'm no fancy guy, you guys. I mean, I have a gym in my house, so I'm a little bit fancy, but I also go to the purple gym. What's that one called? Planet Fitness? Cheap pastor. Fucking 10 bucks a month. If you're watching this program, if you can't afford 10 bucks a month, you should not be watching this podcast, by the way, as an aside. But it's 10 bucks a month and you just get there. You just go, you just make it a 100 day plan. I'm going to lose weight or not gain weight the next 100 days. And then what happens with seasonality of weight gain is that there's season, once yeah. March comes, it's seasonality of weight loss. People have a tendency. So if you just flatline, we gain mm -hmm. more than all of our weight during the winter months. So you just move your body early in the day. Look for really nice days, frame it as this is my 100 day assignment to kick ass and to, you know, to be making hay while everybody else is eating Funyuns. If that's I my, give you one more, my, let's. That's my pro wellness tip for you. And if you live in a warmer climate. No, like I've struggled. Howie, this is my okay, worst time of year. Whatever, I've had a bad week at, at just staring at the computer and commiserating and with my uh, comrades that. Uh, think about anti-Semitism. So I've had a rough couple of weeks. I appreciate everybody reaching out. I think we also got, like I was saying about pruning, uh, Riley, pull up in a week that we work filed bankruptcy, then Sam went to jail and Trump's in court and, and Israel and Hamas are on trial for some reason in the media. Let's look back at what I was saying about, you know, we all made mistakes. It was a bubble. Be careful who you are looking up to and be careful who your false prophets are. Now let's pull up this Forbes uh, cover thing that I sent in the DM. It's a comedy. I know it's it's not funny. It's kind of sad. But look who's been on the cover of Forbes and how long that bubble went on and how many cons went on uh, and, and, and how the media fell for this and how social network kind of failed us in a way that we we bid these people to the top like one after the other, right? And, and this is from one magazine over the course of a few years, right? Like, we have to be careful. Everybody wants to be the next um, uh, Jim Cramer or Warren Buffett. But it's also great to have these your small groups and, you know, and, and really have people that have survived through a couple of cycles. And we really have to take the lessons of this last boom and, and bubble and bust to really think through how we're thinking about things and what are the signals for for froth and silliness the next time around but man look at this thing look how wrong if 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 you're if you're not following the right people and and have the right practices this stuff will continue to happen again now as we make fun of these covers i think that's the opportunity right like we have now weeded out all the schmendricks and if we haven't got all the all the con artists from crypto to we work to to uh you know, the regional banking crisis, um, we're on the way there. And so while everybody's like being negative, I think the next cycle of Forbes covers are just getting started. And this is when you have to get back in the market. So pretty interesting that uh, I saw that trending around. Phil, anything about that with respect to, you know, false profits? You, I love that. And, you know, we live in a day of a, a day and age where we look up to people who are the flashiest, the loudest, making the biggest wave. While meanwhile, very, very often, that is exactly the wrong yeah. group to be paying attention to. You want to pay attention to the people who are 
just quietly doing plying their trade, getting better at their craft, staying humble, surviving over a long period of time. That's where you want to go. So, you know, kudos to you, Harry, yeah. for well, really, I mean, that's why really we're doing the show. Place. We don't care how many thousands. It just helps me work through the week. But I think just seeing the way these markets connect, JC, and seeing how startups now come go to QQQ in the 70 years that you talked about QQQ leading and how everybody's misaligned in a 60-40 portfolio. And I'll tell you the other big misdirection that I've noticed. Everybody moved to Silicon Valley and Stanford, Stanford, Stanford. You know what the next big wave is obviously going to be? Defense, defense, defense. So you know where the next big is going to be? Virginia. It's going to be Washington, D.C. So the big VCs are going to leave what they thought. So it's only going to get worse for enterprise and all these other things as as the big money flows to defending our borders, using software, building walls. Whether we like it or not, we're in a wall building phase. And and when the world's building walls, uh, strategies change just like bonds. The world shrinks and your markets shrink. And so those companies executing for fewer and fewer far between the Ubers versus the Robin Hoods, um, you have to really do your work and you have to really understand the macro. But I think, you know, defense and walls are two very important themes that are coming up. And uh, I think the world's going to be very different, but I'm bullish. You just have to know all this stuff that's happening and it's all kind of coming together right now. So, and I think the page 10 news that we were worried about was a slaughter of 1400 innocent civilians, you know, and no one had that on their bingo card because everybody thought Israel was impenetrable and their border wall was the thing. So what really kind of created this this mental anguish and potential for some kind of real significant new type of way of bull market uh, could be that page 10 idea coming to page one, as frightening as it was. So I think it's a better time to be thinking optimistically than it is to be digging into anger. So hopefully you guys... Uh, pull something from that. But I spent the last month really being angry and it's just the wrong thing to be um, having engaged in it for the last month. So. JC, can't wait till you get out here, guys. This part three golf course is lit. They did 200 rounds a day the first three days. So fully packed. Yeah. And not with lights. Um, Phoenix has a new major attraction, and that's December 1. So Par 3 Golf, uh, something we've talked about here. Um, Golf, watches, cycling, luxury. LVMH bought a sunglass company. New forms of luxury that we've been talking about forever. It's not sexy. It's not Web 2.0. It's not something that's totally driven by software. It's just real businesses with products that people want. So, um, all right, I've rambled too much today. Thanks, guys. How are the kids, JC? You had the first birthday? Yeah, but everybody's good, man. Everybody's good. Good birthday party. Mickey Mouse is there. Billy, Open bar. Boys are good. Sick. We're, uh, I'm just blessed out of my brains. Everybody's good. Everybody's healthy. We're going to school. We're going to visit some schools uh, this what's, Friday. What's his top pick? Weekend. What's his top pick? What's you know, just pick? one comment about anger. There's an old. Okay. I, I'm not. I'm not going to get into all that. I, I don't want to. Okay, but go that. ahead. What were you going to say? You know, I mean, everybody's got their own thing. But just the point. Point about. Oh, there's an old Buddhist quote that goes, "Anger is the punishment we give ourselves yep. for someone else's." I like mistakes. that. I've been too angry, man. It's really. 
I have to get more focused on, on positive stuff. But yeah. you have to go into it. I'm not saying it was pleasant. I think I had to go into it to see where my new network is and my allies and just how I want to think of the world. So it was kind of a bottom for me. Luckily, it didn't, no self-harm, just mental anguish and, and uh, you know, feeling sorry for, you know, myself and family and people. But, you know, uh, I think it's it's just so unhealthy. So I feel bad for those people that I see stuck in it still. But uh, I'm hoping it passes. Yeah, that Buddhist quote, the, Buddha, the Buddhist quote that. is a good one. Really man. appreciate you saying that. Howard. I think it's okay to be mad at certain people, but you just can't. You got to compartmentalize yeah, we, we punish it. ourselves. You got to compartmentalize it. You got to feel it and just let it go back out into the world and just, hey, I'm having this. Yep. All right, there boys. You Miss nice you. We'll see you. We'll see you at Watchbox next week. Riley, uh, enjoy uh, the weather up there.